Welcome to Conversations at Mount Vernon's Washington Library. The Fred W. Smith National Library for the Study of George Washington at Mount Vernon serves as the premier resource for all who are interested in the study of George Washington and the revolutionary and founding eras. Every year, the library hosts numerous scholars who share our dedication to generate and disseminate new knowledge about all things Washington. The library's founding director, Dr. Douglas Bradburn, has the opportunity to sit down with these scholars to explore their research, and we are so excited to share those conversations with you. Today's episode will feature two interviews with educators in celebration of back-to-school season. First, you'll hear from Alyssa Oginski, the 2016 Mount Vernon Teacher of the Year. She is a sixth grade U.S. history teacher with Fairfax County Public Schools. Alyssa discusses working with documents and integrating technology into social studies instruction. Then you'll hear from Kevin Casey, who is a 2016 Lifeguard Teacher Fellow at Mount Vernon. Kevin teaches ninth grade U.S. history at Pittman High School in New Jersey. He discusses his research project, which explores the study of George Washington's presidency through his presidential mansion in Philadelphia. And now, Ms. Oginski and Dr. Bradburn. Welcome back, everybody. This is Doug Bradburn, the founding director of the Fred W. Smith National Library for the Study of George Washington here at beautiful Mount Vernon. And I'm delighted to have a special conversation today uh, with Alyssa Oginski. Now, Alyssa, welcome. Hi, how are you? Uh, as you all know, typically I'm talking to uh, academic historians or popular historians <laughs> who are writing history books and uh, we're eggheads and we talk about the process of, of writing history. But today I've got somebody on the front lines of the education world. <laughs> Alyssa is a sixth grade teacher. Yes, front lines is a good way to put it. <laughs> it you're out there making it happen. Without you, nobody would know anything about history, and that's really fundamental. Well, yes, that's no pressure. <laughs> that's... <laughs> well, that's right, so that's why you're here. You're gonna help us understand what's going on in the classroom today. Now, Alyssa is here because uh, she is this year's 2016 winner of the Teacher of the Year Award uh, yeah. that Mount Vernon gives out. Congratulations. I can't believe it. It's it's really exciting. I'm very, very honored. And growing up in Northern Virginia, I can't think of a better award, um, you know, being here at Mount Vernon anyways. But to win this is just really, really special. For it's me. a lifelong dream to win it. <laughs> and she's here at Mount Vernon. You were here last week because we had one of our residential teacher programs. Yes, I was lucky enough to be here actually in January to start this kind of new love of Mount Vernon and what you're doing. I mean, obviously I've been here many times before, but your education department is phenomenal. And when I came in January for Virginia weekend for Virginia teachers, I kind of got hooked. And when I saw that the applications were open for alumni for the summer institutes, definitely threw my application right in. And mm. luckily you wanted yeah, to you see are. me again. Yeah, so I came back last week and it was just as amazing. So. Yeah, so last week uh, we have a, a residential teacher programs in which we bring teachers from all over the country here. Um, they come for in this new style for about four or five days, and it's focused around a particular theme. What was the theme of the week? Um, our theme was George Washington Leadership and Legacy, and they did a fantastic job of kind of showing us this big evolution of Washington. And, you know, I'm already thinking of all these ideas that I want to use um, when I return next year. Mm -hmm. um, you know, at one point they've asked us, you know, why did we apply for this particular week? Because I know they mm. were offering a theme of women or slavery or military, but I just really felt like this one is one that I can really 
focus in on really anything I'm doing mm. and try and bring Washington into everything. <laughs> do you find uh, that uh, programs are asking you to do more with teaching leadership principles or emphasizing uh, problems related to leadership to sixth graders? Um, I know that's something I'm really interested in and something I'm trying, kind of an area I'm trying to move towards for my career. So, but on the day-to-day -day for someone who might not be interested in mm -hmm. so much teacher-leader opportunities, I, I don't know. I'm not sure if I could say that it's really headed that way for mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the average teacher. Um, but I know for me, if, if, if that's something you want to seek out, there's definitely... A plethora of opportunities to kind of find them. Well, you're involved in a lot of different things, yeah. which is really exciting <laughs> to see, particularly since 2016. You're just like yeah, you're taking off. You're I, like the phoenix. It's it's reborn. Been a wonderful, wonderful year. I'd like yeah. to think a lot of hard work went into that, but I also feel very, very lucky yeah. too. And um, yeah, it's been a really good year. <laughs> okay, so we'll we'll get to that. Some of the things you're doing with the Library of Congress and Fairfax County, of course. Um, but let's talk a little bit about why you wanted to be a, a social studies teacher. Yeah, I, a series of fortunate events, I guess. Um, hmm. When I So you enjoy it. That's I what do. I'm, I'm getting from you is that you yes, enjoy this. I, so. I really do. Um, <laughs> I left teaching for about two years to go to grad school for okay. museum education. Mm -hmm. And it was not because I didn't like teaching anymore. I just kind of felt like, well, what else is out there? Could mm -hmm. I ever teach outside of the classroom? And so I was lucky enough to go over to Newcastle University in the UK to kind of pursue what life is all about there, museums. I, I honestly researched my grad degree on the internet and mm. started typing in history and art and teaching and learning and mm. museums. And lo and behold, so all these you things you were interested in. in. Yeah, you didn't know. So all these things you're interested in, you, oh, there's a whole museum education yeah. world out there. And that's really changed how I not only see my teaching profession in the yeah. traditional classroom, but like how I think about, you know, what I'm doing on a day-to-day -day basis. I mean, we still all have those days where it's checking boxes right. and herding cats and yeah. just managing the day-to-day, -day. but it really, when I start planning what I want to do, that that background in museum ed really helps me yeah. do that. Well, so you teach a lot with objects then, I guess, and with uh, art yeah. and material culture, and you're just aware of trying to yeah. infuse the immersive... I'm Character. trying to be better about using documents. Yeah. Um, they're not my go-to, <laughs> <laughs> um, especially with sixth graders. Yeah. There's a lot of, yeah. you know, try, trying to build time and place into into that language. But and well, I'm certainly no the, expert. The early period, the documents get very difficult to work. Yeah, with. it's it's hard. It's yeah. really hard for them. And I know I have a lot of uh, English as second language speakers at my mm -hmm. school, mm -hmm. but I try and do my best. So I gravitate a lot more towards images. And mm. since I've mm. really started doing that, I've noticed that population of kids is performing better. Mm. And mm -hmm. if I'm also very lucky. Um, Virginia has gotten rid of our state testing for sixth grade. Oh, so uh, I feel I have a little more wiggle room. chose the right year. A little more wiggle room. It's been two yeah. years now. Um, you know, there's this grand idea that you can do that anyways, but the pressure is a little different. Yeah. So, um, so let's I'm, talk about that. Yeah. What is the challenge of testing oh. all about? I mean, we hear about it. Some of us have kids, and we know about it. Um, but I think that it, it I mean, it, I don't think everybody really understands the impact. Yeah. Uh, um, and to speak from your experience, what is the, you know, the testing requirement, and how does it impact what you can do in the classroom? Yeah, maybe it would be valuable to give a few kind of more specific examples. Um, 
my assessments now involve analyzing artwork mm -hmm. and that's something we work towards practicing before we actually assess them um, you know whether it's the Gilbert Stewart Lansdowne portrait or you know uh, American progress we analyze artwork and their ability to find details and support evidence before I'll use this term before yeah. uh, with testing it was very much practicing our practice on a day-to-day -day basis might include in inserting five to ten multiple choice questions mm -hmm. in our discussions or in our activities I mean personally I can't speak for everyone I've taken those out completely mm. I mean it's it's something they're getting in math and language arts and it is still a skill that is relevant but in my classroom as far as history and I know I you might have read this already well, but multiple choice testing is yeah. a skill that we all use as adults all the time. <laughs> well maybe in an instance or two but I just this there'll whole be a multiple choice idea. test at the end of this conversation so be prepared well, I might fail it so, um, <laughs> just it's always all the above just all the above yeah so I just I'm really trying to focus more on the skills and I'm still learning mm -hmm. that too you know coming into institutes here and learning best practice yeah. and you know how to do that and how to help them um so it just looks different in every way almost just from mm -hmm. what we do on a daily mm -hmm. basis to how we assess and yeah. you know before i might have stayed after and tried to make it fun and do like a game but it's still kind of a drill and kill yeah how much can we jam i like in there? that drill and yeah. kill that's that's very touchy-feely. Did not coin that term. Okay, no, I it, know you didn't. But it that's does good. float around. All right, so let's take even one further step back for uh, the, the people like myself who are, you know, academic historians uh, uh, trained in history. What is uh, social studies? What is it? Ooh, wow. Why don't we just do history? What is? Social yeah, studies? you're right. I am a. I mean, our curriculum is U.S. History one in sixth grade for oh. Virginia, but I am on my HR social studies teacher so okay. Okay. I mean so you think of it as just a history course I well I have to in a sense of like my curriculum but yeah. in a wider scope certainly you know if I'm teaching them skills to study history these are also skills that they can use in the world and other aspects too mm -hmm. I mean when I think about history analysis skills I'm thinking you know inferring mm -hmm. predicting comparing and contrasting, decision-making, those are also literacy skills, mm -hmm. reading skills. Those are skills they need, you know, with a friend. Or yeah. So it is so It is the, social studies. So the social studies aspect of it means that uh, these are skills that help, help you in society? or I mean, Yeah, I mean, community building okay. through this kind of connection of history, I mm -hmm. would say. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's... I mean, Identity even talking formation, about, yeah, cultures sort of with American Indians and how that ties in, you know, with the explorers coming and then mm -hmm. how that leads yeah. colonization. It's it's that idea of not just this typical chronological history, at least in my opinion, right. uh, not this chronological history events, people, timelines, mm. but this kind of global thinking of okay, good. All where, right. where they fit in. So one of the things that's really cool about your resume, amongst all the other... Very the, odd. Is, the, uh, <laughs> is this MA degree that you took from Newcastle University in England, which yeah. you found apparently uh, on the internet. I did. So I really did. You typing in fun museum education <laughs> programs. and And somehow you said to yourself, well... You know, uh, I can go to England to get a, a museum degree. What? Exactly what happened. Yeah. I was 25, and I thought, well, I've been teaching for two years now, and 
let's see what happens. And it was the best experience yeah. of my entire life. I don't have anything to compare it to here, but yeah. I have such a sweet, soft spot for Newcastle, um, England. I just, just being in a different culture and yeah. learning how to impart culture and yeah you know, history or art to other is this, people. Is this program known as an international program? Were there lots of Americans um, there? or they? Or I mean, they have else? the International Center for Cultural and Heritage Studies, Heritage. which is what I was a part of. But I've since been back and spoken to some of my professors, and I know the dynamic and the programs have changed a bit as mm. they're moving towards more online learning. Okay. Um, so I actually am not certain anyone could get my specific degree wow. anymore. Yeah. But, um, yeah, they have a huge, um, you know, museum ed cultural heritage studies programs there. So uh, not that I knew that before <laughs> the internet and my searches, <laughs> but it was yeah. like, one of the well, best I like decisions that. I've yeah, ever that's made. that's really great. Well, sometimes we all get lucky, I guess. Yeah, I guess it could have so, been terrible. So, how do they do it differently? I mean, obviously, you didn't take a an MA in, in museum education no. here, but you've had a lot of experience now. And what do you think that um, uh, was done a little differently, maybe at, at, at Newcastle, that you mm. see in American practice? I mean, it's been a few years now. Yeah. I'm not 25 anymore, <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know. Thinking back as far as just being on the kind of educational side of things there and here, and again, I can't really speak to what's going on now over there, but um, I really, it's pretty similar in my opinion. Um, I know I worked a lot with school groups on one of my projects while I was there, and with that, I found there was a lot more flexibility in terms of, and it could have been just my experience, but what did the teacher and kids want and how can we serve you? Mm. Um, from my memory, there weren't as many like stock program type mm. um, offerings. It was a little more flexible. Now, keep in mind, I was at a contemporary art museum when mm. I was doing this project, okay. so my experience might be a ah, little yes. skewed yeah, as far as art. the whole free-flowing, sure. what do you want? <laughs> um, you know, I can yeah. I can understand the value in having all different kinds of programs, but from my memories, um, you know, it was a little more fluid. Like, okay. I don't remember mm-hmm. ever going online and seeing a whole host of, you know, stock programs, yeah. but... So what was Newcastle like? Newcastle, England. How's it different from Loudoun County? (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's a very industrial, their history is rich in kind of industry blue collar, um, salt of the earth Mm -hmm. type people. Um, Before I went there, I obviously had no idea what Newcastle upon Tyne, England was. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, researching it, I learned that it was this pretty unique place. And of course, living there for a year, um, you just learn this wonderful group of people, they're called Geordies, mm-hmm. are just the friendliest bunch. I don't know that they get the best rap, but, you know. Did they vote for Brexit recently? <laughs> I haven't. I, I, my they friends on Facebook did. are pretty upset, yeah. so I'm not I'm not yeah. sure, really. So not your friends. I, I am, yeah, I'm not so sure. So what was the fun excursions that you mm-hmm. did when you were in Newcastle? Um, I mean, with everything there, you're very close to Hadrian's Wall. Uh, um, mm-hmm. you've, they've mm-hmm. got their own rich history in the city, um, mm-hmm. but I've got the Tyne River. You've got, oh gosh, Castles, Zanuck Castles, you're very close to Scotland. Edinburgh's yeah. a short train ride away. So we're very much, yeah. it was very much a northern 
city, so you don't get those experiences of London and mm-hmm. kind of a smaller, narrow focus up in northern Can England. you do it with an English accent? Can you talk about <laughs> what you would go visit? Let's hear I your, can. And let's hear it. Let's hear it. But what it will be a Come butcher. On, Alyssa, give it, give it to me. All righty. <laughs> <laughs> That's about all I've got. And that went a little Scottish, I think. Well, that was awful. Okay, yes, so, it was. Um, I would like to hear yours at yeah, some well, point. Yeah, well, mine is really... <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Uh, all right, so let's think about some of these exciting things you're doing right now. Sure. Uh, you are. You just begin. You just begun to work with this Library of Congress program, teaching with primary sources. What yeah. Is, what does that look like? It's going to be well, and obviously, and actually, since I've printed that, our first meeting is actually in August. So, um, no. luckily, the the directors of this Typical program, teachers <laughs> in the summertime, come on. Luckily, I've worked with them um, on two courses that I've taken. Mm-hmm. Um, a wonderful group um, who provide professional development for other teachers. So I have been on that side of it. I have kind of received the development and, yeah. and participated in that. So um, from what I understand, that'll be a, a program where we are aiding the directors to try and enforce using primary sources whenever possible, which is, mm. I know, a big buzzword right now, but yeah. it really is makes things so much better it's a lot more fun absolutely i mean uh, when i was i was teaching at the college level but that was the way to get people engaged right you know because the same with 12 year olds yeah i mean once they realize that they can actually tell the their own version of the history based on the evidence that they have yeah and that's and it's not just a dull textbook you know absolutely and that's something i really want to focus on is this whole idea of like choice and you know choosing which document or image you want to research or kind of analyze and then from there making a decision on your own about what that means and interpreting it on your own so this this program um tpsnva teaching with primary sources northern virginia is in partnership with the library of congress and as you know that i mean it never we've, ends. The we've got a few things online. Yeah. <laughs> it never ends. I don't know how many millions yeah. of things. Have you been? Have you done any work in the Library I haven't of Congress? Done any you have a Library of Congress there. research card? Or mm, a no, library I actually card? don't. Which seems Come on, crazy. Who has the twenty minutes to go get it? Right. <laughs> I've been yeah. a, a, quite a number of times. Place. I love sitting in that big reading room, and they'll bring you stuff, and <sighs> they treat you nice. It's good. Oh, no, I haven't. I haven't actually done that, and I even missed a scavenger hunt there oh. last week at night. My husband went without me. Oh, that sounds sad. like a lot of. Fun. But I was here though. So. Well, that's better. <laughs> of course, being here is always better. Now you're also a collaborator, middle school studies technology innovation cohort. Yeah, that sounds very bureaucratic. It what sure is that? Might be. Um, <laughs> no, it's it's been this kind of small group of us who have gotten together, uh, uh-huh. focusing in on middle school. Um, I'm kind of the outlier because in Fairfax County, sixth grade's normally in an elementary, so I have this privilege of uh, towing both lines, elementary and middle. So yeah. I was invited to participate in that, and we really have been talking about. Um, kind of a new wave of this whole idea of blended learning and yeah talk about that what is blended learning um it is really using the teacher's skills and experience to help students kind of get online so i think sometimes there's this must there are like five different methods of how you would do it and i honestly can't even tell you all of them but um this whole idea that kids have so much of a bigger world if they can access online resources like Mount Vernon's encyclopedia mm-hmm. or the Library of Congress, you know. Let's talk about Mount Vernon resources. stuff. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I've Mount actually found that really helpful. Yeah. It's been a really great tool yeah. for my kids. Yeah. And the, the 
oh, like the Yorktown video that you put together. That was amazing. Um, So giving them access to that more often and using some of the same skills they do for analyzing. So are they sort of self-directing in this notion of blended? I mean, where's the blend? Where does the blend come from? What are we doing here? It's kind of like a workshop. Oh, is it different from regular learning? Yeah. So instead of just standing there and lecturing. Okay, yes. Or standing in a classroom, but it's not fully flipped. Flips, I guess in my understanding is yeah. more if you were to teach a lesson, let's say using a YouTube video that you've created, and the students would be responsible for watching that before they came to class. So right. any oh, lecture. Yeah. So it's all just happen. conversational. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So but the blended learning is there again are there are different forms, but the one that I gravitate to more so is this kind of workshop model where yeah. you would do a quick mini lesson. That's good. Yeah. And they're there and, and then they're off and running. Yeah, but you're supporting the whole time. I like that. Uh, well, there's a lot of stuff out there online, but it's not all great. No. So you definitely have to curate it a little <laughs> yes. bit. Yes. And I would think that, you know, it's easy for us here in a way in Mount Vernon because we're focusing on the founding era, and that's pretty right. much it, whereas you got to worry about the whole breadth of human history. Yes, early America. Yeah. So, so there's lots a lot. To, always <laughs> lots to keep, keep, keep on top of. Um, do you feel like there's enough professional development opportunities for teachers? Well, I'm super spoiled yeah, living this in this is a good area. Region, yeah. yeah, it's yes, plenty. Yeah, a ton. Like, how do you decide what you want yeah. to put your name in for? Yeah. Like, it's pretty incredible. Just talking with people from around the country last week, you know, at the institute here, you know, I I definitely got a few like, oh, I'm so jealous of what you guys have here right. and. You know, I don't know if it's just... What was the most rural, isolated person? I mean, no name any names, but where... Kansas? From someone in Kansas somewhere? Kansas, and we had a couple of Mississippis. Yeah, I um, felt but like I they were just bereft of uh, opportunities. Yeah, yeah, I think it's just different. You know, yeah. there might be opportunities there, but is it as developed? Is it as known? It's is it capital. as marketed? Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's the capital of the most powerful nation in the world. It's an advantage. And you, you live pretty close to it, but yet you don't have a library card. Nope. Library good <laughs> times. So because you don't need one. There's so many other things. It's amazing. Uh, so talk about Fairfax County Public Schools. How is that going? It's a big system. Yeah, it's huge. Uh, those of us who are taxpayers in Fairfax County, we get all kinds of very confusing uh, emails uh. about you know the budget and we know more well, I wouldn't money. dare speak to those things, but, um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a loyal Fairfax Countyan, even though I grew up in Loudoun. Um, I, started my career, I started my career in Fairfax, and yeah. they've been pretty good to me. Uh, I've had a lot of different experiences. I've had three different schools in my time at Fairfax, elementary, middle. I've been in an immersion school, non-immersion yeah. school. Um, I've taught third, fifth, and sixth. So I've had a lot of different experiences, but on the whole, it's been... Really, so really how nice. does it work? Are you solidly in six then? I mean, that's yeah. where you'll stay until you want to go I, somewhere else. I mean, or? I love the curriculum. Yeah. It's you know, 18th century, like, yeah. well, as we start with explorers and American yeah. Indians and move on. I love it, and it mm-hmm. seemed it would seem weird not to teach that mm-hmm. in this area. Like, how does anyone teach anything else? Like, mm-hmm. oh, that's just, good, yeah, very good, yes, yeah. But I, I could see myself, you know. Moving up, maybe to seventh at some point. Mm. They kind of pick up where we leave off. Uh, but you're in a you're in a Holmes is a middle school. Yeah, it's there's and you're in sixth. It's a conundrum. There's three middle yeah. schools in Fairfax County, 
that, that are six, six seven, and eight. How um, many students are in the in the school? I think about our numbers have grown f- over the last couple of years. We we adopted a new elementary school f- to feed into us, so I mm. think we're like nine hundred to thousand. Amazing, unbelievable, maybe. large schools. It's big. It's yeah. big, but we don't have trailers or anything right now. So. No, no mods or pods no. or whatever. I've taught in a trailer yeah. though. It was very nice. It's yeah. like your private oasis <laughs> out there when the air conditioning was working. <laughs> what are the biggest challenges that you face in the classroom, yeah. or you know, getting prepared, or, or what? What do you think? Um, I think oh, it's hard to pick one big one, so we'll just go with a few. <laughs> um, not that I, I mean, I love my job, but uh, I would say just collaboration and you have this pressure to collaborate but you know it's that's harder than just saying collaborate mm-hmm. so um collaboration and kind of you being have on to the like same page. people you have to like other people yeah and also. i'm very fortunate i love all my coworkers, <laughs> but uh-huh. you know it's that's a big umbrella to yeah. to say and mm-hmm. you know everyone has different opinions and how they and different styles mm-hmm. of what they're doing so whether it's in a leadership role and i'm at a innovation cohort meeting or I'm in my classroom or at a team meeting or you know wherever it's you kind of feel that pressure on you but Mm. you know let's face it we're all individuals and we all have different ways of doing things. Well it seems to me that you're really emerging as one of the leaders in Fairfax County here with all the stuff that you're engaging in and I know that you don't want to wear that mantle (laughs) but that's often the best leaders don't want to wear those mantles. Yeah that's a big statement. You have the enthusiasm. (laughs) It's a big statement. You're the teacher of the year. Uh, I'm I'm so excited. Yeah. What, yeah. do, what do you get as Teacher of the Year? Do we give you money? Do we give you like a trophy? Oh, you, you know? yeah, I get a, an award yeah. and I get cash, yeah, cash on I, the barrel. I sure do. Yeah. Which I have to That's say, good. that is not something it. you encounter very often. As a well, teacher. it's important, you know. And uh, you know, the Mount Vernon Ladies Association cares about education probably, you know, it, as, as much as anything else. They care about the state of education in the country right now. They particularly care about the ability of kids to learn. The stories of the founding, you know, that have made this country what it is, and and uh, and we need great teachers out there who, who are doing it because we can only reach so many people uh, out of here. So. Yeah, well, it, I'm really honored, and it's really evident when you come here and you learn with with everyone here, and you go on the website, even it's very evident that that's the big mission, and you know, I'm just so appreciative. It's really, really well. Congratulations! Really I appreciate you spending some time with us. Thanks. Uh, this morning, and I look forward to giving your award uh, in a little bit here. Woo-hoo. So, so right. exciting. Thanks. Thank you. And now, Mr. Casey and Dr. Bradburn. Well, welcome back. This is Doug Bradburn at the Washington Library, and I'm delighted to have here with me today Kevin Casey, who's a teacher at uh, uh, what school? Pittman High School, Pittman, New Jersey. Kevin, welcome. Pride of the Panthers. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So you've been here as a teacher fellow uh, for a couple of different weeks this summer. And talk a little bit about that. What has the teacher fellowship been like, experience been like here at Mount Vernon? The the Lifeguard Teacher Fellowship has easily been um, really the greatest experience of my um, 19 years in education. I'm going to tell you why. A lot of times when you are a teacher, you go through these great programs of teacher workshops. But um, as teachers, everything, it's, it's scheduled. So you move from one place to another and you get some great information and then you're on to the next thing. And what's been great about this um, fellowship is the ability to take an idea and then just wrestle with that idea for eight hours a day and research and, and just have that independence. And that with uh, the staff here, and we were talking about this with the other fellows, the staff here have uh, just been amazing. 
you know, a lot of times as teachers, we're not academic historians. So, you know, a research situation can be an intimidating thing at yeah. times. Yeah. And so um, a lot of times you go into a facility and you run into gatekeepers, you know, individuals who are trying to decide if you're worthy or not to get the information they might have. And uh, the staff here has just been as uh, welcoming and, and as helpful as possible and really doing a great job of making you feel like, you know, you are a valid uh, person that deserves to have this information. Well, I think a lot of institutions, a lot of research libraries, uh, you know, they would love it if teach more teachers came in. But they are intimidating buildings. You know, you think of like the American Philosophical Society or, you know, the Carter Brown Library, you know. These are places where teachers would certainly be welcome to come in, but it is, it's hard just to go through the doors and, yeah. and say, I'm a teacher of high school and I want to work on a project. Right. Yeah. You, you might know, get the oyster eye. like what? Well, it's been funny. I, I, the joke that I've been using is that I feel like in some respects from an academic historian standpoint, I've been in the AAA and I've been, been called up to the majors for uh, <laughs> the last couple of weeks hanging with uh, the big boys. So. Well, it's ridiculous. Okay, <laughs> well, that's uh, a good analogy. All right, you're, you're in the big leagues. We'll talk about the project you've been working on uh, in a little bit, but let's talk a little bit about uh, Pittman High School. Uh, what is it like? What's the student body like, and uh, how long have you been there? So I am entering into my ninth year of uh, teaching at Pittman High School. We are a, um, a small um, school located in uh, Gloucester County in southern New Jersey, just about uh, 25 minutes or so outside of Philadelphia, mm -hmm. so Philadelphia suburb. Um, we only have about 400 kids in the building, 9 through 12, about 100 a class. That's nice, yeah. Um, it's a really unique community in that um, the community was initially founded as a um, Methodist revival camp hmm. during that time period, the Second Great Awakening. So really? There are remnants Methodist of revival camp, and people just said, well, this is a nice spot. Why don't we stay here? Exactly right. So they started, <laughs> and they started uh, with uh, uh, temporary housing. Um, and then they decided to move to more permanent housing. There is a, a lake called Alcyon Lake that they, um, uh, people from Philadelphia would come and vacation there. Mm. Um, there was an amusement park there. So there's a re real unique setting. It's an area of the town called The Grove. Mm -hmm. And The Grove is, uh, in the center, is, is uh, an auditorium where they would have the meetings. And then off of that center are 12 different small avenues, which are spokes, and th they represent the different apostles. Hmm. And so that is an area today hmm. that if you were to walk through the Grove, they still have those real sort of cottage summer communities that are, that are there. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's fascinating. Yeah. So a lot of uh, history in the area, obviously in the greater Philadelphia area generally, but also unique to Pittman, it sounds like. Absolutely, yeah. And so the people there who live in the community, are they hist history lovers in general? Um, well, I, I would tell you that those who come through the US-1 program are. <laughs> yeah. But uh, absolutely, you know, uh, it's, it's tough to sell it sometimes um, to the high school students. Hmm. Um, and I think being a history teacher in 2016 uh, and dealing with digital natives, mm. you know, individuals who have grown up with all of the bells and whistles, there's a sort of an expectation that uh, you have to, to constantly figure out a way to capture them. And, and you feel that, uh, that the students come in there and they're looking for uh, something stimulating. They are. And, and something tech-based. They are looking for something stimulating and tech-based. They're, they're just, they're looking, I think, really to, to see your passion. So what, so what age do you teach in high school? You have grades? I primarily have 10th graders. All right. So 10th grade is AP U.S. History. Correct. And in the state of New Jersey, well, at least within our district, we spread the AP program out over two years. Yeah. So uh, the 10th so graders. So you get the early half. Exactly. In the 10th. So that's good. So you can spend more time. 
Absolutely. Because sometimes AP's one year, junior year, you, you get the first half of the year is the early period. It seems like that's uh, predominantly what it is from, from yeah. people I've talked to in different workshops and yeah. things like that. I think that's what it was in my high school, yeah. like in the day. So I think to some extent we're – I think there's, there's, there's advantages and disadvantages to that. You know, when you're starting out with the uh, first chapters of pre-Columbian, right, and they're, hmm. you know, a year away from taking the exam, you know, there's that length of time. Yeah. So that becomes a bit of a challenge, but you do get to spend a little bit more time in depth. So how do you reach the students in 10th grade who, you know, might prefer to be on the InstaFace or the Snapchats or whatever, yeah. you so, know, the tech is out there? So my, my the first thing that I, I really look to do is uh, is develop relationships, you know, to um, show them the, the passion that I have um, to try and relate uh, on their level. Um there is a, a great give and take that I think I have in the classroom with the kids where they come in uh, with a sense of, of being uh, in a comfortability, if you will, that, uh, you know, that they're going to sort of get that give and take in there. So I think once that relationship is built and they mm-hmm. kind of know that you, you care and that you have this passion, then you have a little more leeway to then get into the, uh, the meat of the subject and sort of uh, get into the content and so is Mr. Casey a popular teacher? At, uh, I at mean, listen, I, I, I just try and uh, show up <laughs> I every think day he is. and do, and do what I can. I think he's really popular. Now, you used to be a, the coach of the girls' soccer team. It says 2015 on your resume. Is that over then? That is, that is over, yes. You handed the torch on. See, all my great history teachers in high school were coaches. I mean, they were all the coaches of something. Are you that required to be a coach of something? We, we are not required, no. Yeah. I was... Uh, I was a basketball coach at one mm-hmm. point. A my basketball coach, coach was uh, was yeah. my history teacher. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I was actually at at, the, at Pittman in an assistant coach role, and uh, mm-hmm. you know didn't have the uh, necessarily the time commitment to take on that head yeah. coach role. So yeah, yeah. I left with the uh, with the current coach. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. So uh, tell me a little bit about the AP class that you teach. So. You, you teach it in 10th grade. What are, what's the chronology that you cover? So we start uh, with sort of a Native Americans pre-Columbian. Mm-hmm. Um, and the land then, bridge? Yep. Yeah, That's we good. start with that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then we actually... The extinction uh, of the three-toed sloth? <laughs> yeah. Into that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we actually head all the way up through uh, Reconstruction. Yeah, okay. And So it's kind of like a big... So when I used to teach college, I had the big survey course. Yes. Uh, was That was basically what we covered in a semester, obviously, a different... Yeah. And but, pacing is, is yeah. uh, you know, being new to the AP world, mm-hmm. uh, pacing has been probably the biggest thing. What do you mean by that? Just, uh, you know, when you, any, anything you do for the first time, there's growing pains. And so yeah. Yeah. what I found with uh, teaching AP from the first time is, you know, setting that amount of time so you're covering everything evenly. Right. Uh, yeah. Exactly. You gotta, so, where do you need to be by this exactly, time of the year? Yeah. What do you need to have on these tests before the break? Exactly right. Thing. Yeah. And so I think yeah. years two and three down the road, pacing becomes uh, a little bit easier. What are the students like the most uh, that you teach? What period? Um, I think uh, probably the constitutional time period. George Washington is the right answer. <laughs> George but Washington. We will accept constitution. Absolutely, here as he's very well. involved yeah. in that That's as well. <laughs> uh, I think locality yes, too. You know, yeah, uh, yeah, Philadelphia centric exactly. stuff. Uh, sure. And we do a uh, we do a great field trip in the fall where we take the kids into the historic district. Well, I do think sure. those of us on the East Coast have the advantage of. Uh, when you're teaching that era, you know, of it being, it happening here. Yeah. You know, it's got to be more of a challenge for a teacher in 
Missouri and a teacher in California yes. to do anything with the, you know, the, the Liberty Bell. Yeah. But it's funny, you know, it's like anything else, you know, when you live near a certain thing, you don't necessarily take the time to no, see it. Yeah. So a lot of the kids, when we take them out there to the historic district, haven't, haven't been there, mm-hmm. haven't mm-hmm. been there since uh, elementary school. So Do you get to do a lot of field trips? Um, usually the Philadelphia one's the big one. Mm-hmm. Um, we have in the past gone out to uh, uh, Gettysburg. We, yeah. have, um, we have a resident Civil War expert on staff at the high school. That uh, What about Mount Vernon? When are you going to bring him down we, to Mount Vernon? We, uh, we have plenty of uh, great black and white <laughs> photos, panoramics from the senior trip back in the 30s and the 20s that uh, were goodness. Mount Vernon trips. We might have to reinstitute that. That'd be nice. That'd Forget be about the, the Disney World senior trips. We're, gonna, <laughs> we're coming back to Disney. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if you see a gradual impact of the uh, the musical Hamilton on uh, on your students and on their interest. Without a doubt, uh, that has been the greatest hook mm. that I've had, and I've used it uh, really, for obviously, for the first time last year. So I started in the beginning of the year, uh, and I played Miranda's uh, video clip of him at the White House. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, the kids kept asking me to play it. And then, you know, as the year went on, more and more became available. And the mm. kids, I, I did a lesson on um, dueling with Ten Dual Commandments. No, you did. Yeah. And uh, yeah. we went through the lyrics of the song and, and looked at the uh, ten different steps. And then we recreated it in the classroom yeah. with, uh, with balled up paper mm. was, our, uh, was our weapon of choice. <laughs> and uh, went through the lesson. And by the end of the year, um, it was amazing to see how these kids had uh, just taken to this this uh, musical and yeah. every time they saw something new they, they were sending it to me or yeah. they were, uh, well I think it's going to be a phenomenon for a long time I mean yeah. it's going to be performed at high schools it's going to get out there and be around and uh, it's a great gift for historians to you know get students excited about yeah. particularly the era I care most about the founding era um, but uh, and for kids in that region yeah I was recently at Cheer at the at the conference at Cheer and we two big sessions on Hamilton, one of which Lin-Manuel Miranda, there was a film done in which he and Joanne Freeman and uh, Brian Murphy were talking about the play. And we had another where historians talked about the play. But there was one person in particular I argued with regularly about whether or not students are familiar with this or because so few students would have been able to see it Mm -hmm. and that it would have been a kind of a socioeconomic group, Mm -hmm. you know, a sort of a privileged group. Um, that whether or not this would be kind of of interest to the generality yeah. of American high school students going forward, and I was arguing vehemently that I thought it would be, and he was suggesting that he hadn't seen the evidence yet, but it's obviously too early to well to judge. I can tell you that the teachers aren't seeing it either. Uh, yeah. my students actually they uh, they started a, a Twitter push uh, where they were flooding poor Lin Manuel Miranda's timeline with tweets that if uh, I were to get tickets to. Hamilton, they would get out the final. Oh yeah, didn't work. So. <laughs> well, every year they could try. It's uh, and I, it'll been, be easier to get tickets. I've, I've been registering for the lottery every. Oh, you have. I live uh, about two hours outside of New York, and I figured out that if uh, if I get the win the lottery, I get the ten dollar ticket. Yeah. That I have just enough time to get in the car <laughs> and get to New York to see the show. Well, it would it, be tight. It's remarkable. It and, really uh, is, and uh, it'll be interesting to hear over the years how it plays itself out all right so let's get to the project that you've been working on on here so um uh now we you and i've talked about this before and i think it's great fantastic uh, you're, you're doing a project of some kind related to how to interpret and how to use in the classroom uh, the site of george washington's 
presidential executive mansion in uh, in Philadelphia. And I guess Adams was there as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So talk a little bit about that project. Yeah. So I'm looking to to do a study of George Washington's presidency through place. Hmm. And the place, um, obviously, is the President's House, 190 High Street, which today is Market Street, um, right in the corner of uh, 6th and Market. Mm-hmm. And um, what I'm looking to do is um, sort of highlight Washington's presidency through the various rooms. And going into the project, I wasn't sure how that was going to look. And what I have been surprised to find is that I'm getting a pretty complete picture of Washington's yeah. presidency. Uh, through the different rooms and the research that was done on the room. So, for example... Um, well, it's a great site right there at the center of the historic area it of is. Philadelphia, right near Independence Hall in the Visitor Center. That's there. I just saw it uh, during the, um, uh, the... I did a program at the Constitution Center, which you were at. Yes, yeah. The week of the DNC. Yeah. And uh, I... I uh, yeah, you just kind of run into it when you come out of the uh, visitor center there. Yeah, it's a very important site because you're right. When you come out of the visitor center, it's your first thing that, that visually you see yeah. right across the street from you. And it's probably everybody, a lot of people's first stop because it's so close to the front doors of the visitor center. Yeah. So so what, what about place do you think is the important thing to connect to students there? I think uh, partially for me, because of being so close, uh, you, you take history to, uh, to the next level. When it comes out of the textbook, yeah, you know, when we yeah. take that trip, you can in the go fall. to a place exactly, yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think part of the project it's our hope that we can take um, uh, people to that place through uh, potential um, videos that we'd like to do within the virtual reality world. That uh, you can be in California, hopefully, visit that place. So, um, so it's been an exciting uh, project so far. Um, and it, yeah, I've been surprised at how much of Washington's presidency. Yeah, yeah talk about that. You were talking about uh, how much research has been done yeah. both there and elsewhere. Talk a little bit about the, the different rooms of, of his mansion or executive mansion and how that would, yeah. how you would teach it. So the house was uh, originally belonged to uh, Robert Morris and mm-hmm. then... Um, the great financier, the absolutely. fat Robert Morris. Yes, until he yeah. ended up in debtor's prison. And, well, uh, you know, mistakes were made. So, so he, he uh, allows Washington to stay at the residence. It was one of the largest homes in Philadelphia at the time. Um, and just for example, when you walk through the front door, you would have come into a parlor. The parlor would have run about 50 feet in length. It would have had green carpet. We know that. We know that on the left, there would have been three archways, and through those archways would have been a staircase. Green carpet, like a green carpet you know, of some kind? We don't, I, I wasn't able to find exactly yeah. what the design of it was, just mm-hmm. that they mentioned green carpet. It painted Wade's coating, painted walls. And... Uh, through my research, I was able to find that in July of 1794, Washington hosts um, Chickasaw Indians. Right, that's right. And yeah. John Quincy Adam um, was there as well, a young envoy, and he uh, famously records the event. And they bring out a peace pipe to smoke with the Chickasaw Indians. Mm. But it's an Eastern Indian hookah pipe. Uh-oh. And the Native Americans, and Quincy Adams writes about this, and it's almost this comical event where the Native Americans are looking at him like, yeah, what do we do with this thing? <laughs> Which is, usually it's the other way around, right? Yeah. So there's that, uh, and, and through that event, we can take a look at Native American relations. Yeah. Um, if yeah. you go into the family... He dines with a lot of Native Americans in that house. Yes, he does, yeah, yeah, yeah uh, absolutely. Um, and, and if you go into the to the rooms to the right of the parlor you're in the family dining room and behind that was the state dining room okay the state dining room is where he had uh, uh, 
two-story bow windows. Yeah, that's where he knocked it out. I'm making a gesture with my arms right (laughs) now. I can verify. Framing that he's putting in these bay windows. And historians believe that's the inspiration for the White House design. Well, well, here at Mount Vernon, we'll definitely take credit for that. Yes. um, For sure. So one of the questions I know you're pursuing is how can we see George Washington in that house? Yes. The same way we can kind of see him at Mount Vernon, one of the things that we tell people here is that Mount Vernon is his autobiography, you know, because he's he, he designs the place to make a statement about himself and about America. Uh, in what way is that true or not true about this this house? In well, I think within the various rooms. So, for example, we see the um, the the sort of uh, relationship he has with the Native Americans in the parlor. In the dining room, we see his role as statesman, holding these uh, levies and these official state dinners. Mm. Um, and through that, we can wrestle with some of the criticism that he received from that of, uh, you know, these levies are too formal. They, they reek of a monarchy in Washington yeah. sort of saying, you know, we've got to do something to legitimize this position. Um, so the levies happen in that back room with the big windows. Correct. And they were very formal. Mm-hmm. Um, he mm-hmm. would uh, sort of stand framed against those bow windows mm-hmm. with the light coming in. Mm-hmm. Um would have his hand on his sword. And no handshaking. No handshaking. Right. Uh, a little bow. A little bow. Hello, nice to see you. That's very accurate, I think. Mr. Shippen, uh, good evening. That's exactly what it sounded like. And but they were dull. I mean, right, they were they boring. There's really people kind of rotate around in a sort of formulistic. Yep. You were you were introduced and yeah. you were announced. You then stood in a semicircle. Yeah. Um, at which point after everybody was introduced, he would walk the semicircle and make a comment or two and then you left. And even more formal than the levies were the state dinners in which mm. in, in, mm. in order for him not to show favoritism, he sort of uh, rotated the invitations. And um you know, William McClay, yeah, 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 go ahead. Who is yeah. A, he's a classic character in his own right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, talks about how awkward. You know, just imagine you're in this awkward environment and Washington had this horrible habit of sort of yeah. using his fork. He's and not knife. known for his small talk or exactly. graciousness to yeah. Around, so McClay talks about he doesn't that. like exactly. So we see that role of statesman in that room. Um, yeah. You know, you go upstairs into the uh, to the the pres- his personal office, is which where we believe the cabinet met, and mm-hmm. then you see the uh, the political um, side of him um, in the front drawing room uh, would have been where Martha would have held her Friday drawing rooms which Washington attended and he was notably more that's on the second floor that's on the second yeah. floor mm-hmm. uh, he was noticeably more relaxed at those events but pr- from that we'll take a look at the role of Martha Washington and trying to establish uh, you know, what a first lady the first first lady apologies to Dolly but yes the first first lady was, that's right was Martha yeah. that's right reluctantly I think to some extent well, which is a usual posture for first ladies they're mm-hmm. reluctant in their role, they feel like the caged bird. Yeah, uh, which I think is a quote. Um, not that it's a paraphrase of a quote from Martha about being, you know, cooped up. And uh, also, I think uh, Michelle Obama has, you know, re- referenced the notion of feeling constrained. I can imagine in this in this role as first lady, where you have to be on all the time. And yeah, yeah, uh, it's a political role. Well, that's a gr- so that's a great way. And you want to get at slavery in the Absolutely. president's mansion as well. So the 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 president's house is unique in that as they were doing the archaeology on the site, um, you know, they sort of noticed these quarters of where the slaves would have been um, quartered at that time. And what they're finding is that the location of the slave quarters is right at the doorway to the Liberty Bell Center. 
Mm. You know, irony of all ironies there. And so there was controversy when the original interpretation of the president's house was completed. There was uh, not necessarily uh, that attention being given to the site. And so they uh, went back and revisited the interpretation to include um, more of the slave issues. You know, mm -hmm. there was the issue of uh, the Pennsylvania Emancipation Laws and Washington rotating his slaves out before they got to the six-month uh, time limit and trying to, uh, to a certain extent, deceive them so they weren't, um, you know, aware of that. Yeah, and also keep it out of the public eye, yes. too. So, you know, not letting this be a thing that's well-known. We have, uh, obviously, the, the famous examples of Oni Judge uh, running mm -hmm. away and, and uh, Hercules, his chef, uh, running away. He knows where Oni Judge goes to New Hampshire, mm -hmm. uh, makes an attempt to try and uh, bring her back, um, but you know, gives specific instructions not to make a big ordeal of it and if she's not willing to come back. And then there's that issue that, the, uh, that Martha, in particular... Oni Judge is a, is a Custis slave. She's a dower yes. owned slave. Um, so yeah, there's that responsibility in yes. addition to uh, in addition to the well, and, and the didn't only wasn't there some deal like if I come back, I don't want to work with, uh, I don't want to be separated from Martha. Or I do. She was, I believe, going to be a, a present to uh, no, right. Martha's that's relative right. who was right. being married. Yeah, yeah. so she Fanny, maybe. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And um, you know, Martha struggles with this idea of, you know, we, we gave her the best of everything. She was she was in the house. Yeah, how could she... they do this yes. to us? So yeah. there's that element yeah. of... Uh, well, a great teaching opportunity. Yes. Personalized slavery. Obviously, it's not indicative of the, the typical slave's life, right. which is a, as a laborer in a field somewhere. But nevertheless, should be, it help the students make it come, come to life a little better. Yeah. Uh, slavery is so difficult to teach, uh, you know, as an abstraction and... Um, and that, that, that seems like a great way to get at it. Yeah, and to a certain extent, you know, and I, I think um, this is one of the things that I've picked up during my time here is that, you know, we oftentimes say that the house slaves had it better. But to, to some extent, there was challenges with that because you were constantly under the thumb or the supervision of, of, mm. the, uh, of, of the master, of the, the mistress. Yeah, yeah they were, so they're always there. So you sort of always had to be on in some respect. So there's, there were definitely challenges. that and I, I've learned that through... Uh, the various tours and things that I've, I've been on this week with the staff. So what are you going to do with material culture? I mean, the, the site itself, the place, is is really just a mock-up of the walls. There's some video interpretations there. Right. Uh, what, how are you going to bring to life that, those spaces for students? One of the things that I've designed and, and I'm trying to come up with is I'm always looking for a way to make history real. You know, the question we often get is, okay, why do we need to know this? What do we need to do with this? So to try to bring that public history element yeah. into the classroom and show, okay, this is So when is people ask you why you need to know this, you don't just say, because it's important. That's right. And if you don't because know I it, so. you'll be a moron. Exactly. Know, can't just say that. Yeah. The, I always tell my kids, <laughs> I, don't, on the test. I don't want them to end up on Jay Leno's show when he goes out, or when yeah. Jay Leno had his show. Now I'm dating myself a little bit. You know, I don't want to be well, that the kids won't know who that is. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Jimmy Fallon. Colbert or something, right. I guess. So I want them to have the information so if they get interviewed yeah. that they won't have I guess that. Colbert doesn't exist either. No, I know. We're, we're getting old. Yeah, exactly. So I, wanna, I want the kids to have the experience of what it's like to be a curator. Mm. Um, mm. How do we mm. take primary source information? How do we take known objects that we know are in the, in the room? And then yeah. how do we use that to recreate the rooms? And so I want them to take that information and then to some extent be able to 
show me what they think the room looked like based on that. So, you know, some teachers uh, would hear this and say, well, this is all well and good, but it sounds like you've got an eternity to spend uh, in your class on this on this era. Right. How does this, how does a teacher who's only got, you know, a few days, uh, you know, to cover the founding, yes. uh, you know, bring in, you know, bring an engaging, uh, you know, story into their classroom? So the idea is that the lessons are designed so that they can be standalone lessons, mm. so that teachers can uh, sort of cherry pick what serves them uh, best in that particular, which is why having various portions of Washington's presidency is helpful in that area. Yeah. It also can be um, sort of digested as an entire class, you know, where mm. you know, kids are broken up into various groups and each group is given a uh, room and a different element of the presidency and they spend time studying it and then can sort of come back and report on what they've learned and by the end you've got this complete uh, picture of the house. and So, so that, that, that was sensitive to that fact because I know that you have no time to do uh, a lot of things you'd like to do, so I tried to serve both areas. Well, we'd love to get back to a, a situation where teachers have more control over what they can do in their classrooms with the audience that's in front of them and not some hypothetical audience that a tester is uh, imagining is there. Yes. Um, you know, and, and, and uh, to the extent that you can bring that energy to them, we really appreciate it. Uh, you know, I think our, our time is rapidly uh, coming to a close here. Let's think of a good way to, to finish this off. So what is, um, so you've been in the library a couple of different times. One of the questions I like to ask people is, what is the, the bust that you would add to our uh, uh, you know collection? What? I should have been prepared for this. Uh, our collection of busts to... uh, here. What, who would you think, to some uh, either famous or obscure figure that you'd You'd say, you know what? If you're going to traipse through American history, we'll yes. do the whole run that you teach. Okay. Uh, who is a uh, who's a notable person that students are attracted to, or that you you would like to to linger on a little bit? So, so being from the Philadelphia area, mm. it's 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 a no brainer. It's Ben Franklin. Well, Franklin's already there. We have his bust. <laughs> we already <laughs> have Ben Franklin's didn't tell me bust in the be library. One that wasn't already on there. Well, come on. We've got Franklin. We've okay. got Hamilton. We've got the first four presidents. You know, uh, in our big, great reading room here. You can't just have another I gave, I Benjamin give, Franklin. Well, I used to give walking tours of the historic district uh, mm. in, in the city, and the running. I, I would mm. tell everybody, listen, I'm going to ask you questions, and more times than not, the answer is Ben Franklin. So if you have one in doubt, say Ben Franklin. <laughs> so well, that's good. Well, well, we'll double down on Franklin because yeah. he lived such a long time. And of all the people in the founding era uh, who could compete with Washington for fame, it was certainly Franklin. He was more famous. Um, before Washington um, came onto the scene than any other American, certainly. Absolutely. Um, you know, and all the kids like to have the Franklins. It's all about the Benjamins. It's all about the Benjamins. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for joining us here. And, Thanks uh, for having me. Uh, I'm glad you enjoyed your time here at Mount Vernon, and uh, hope to see you back soon. I'll be back next year. All right. Great. We hope you enjoyed this week's discussion. The Washington Library looks forward to continuing these conversations about our early American history. Please visit mountvernon.org forward slash library to learn more about the library's resources and programs. And remember, Mount Vernon is open 365 days a year and looks forward to welcoming you. Thank you and we'll see you next week.